Hi, everyone, and welcome to Dance It Out, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We're your hosts, Giuseppe Corallo. And Jasmine Petty. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about this week's Grey's Anatomy episode titled, I'm Still Standing. So if you haven't seen it yet, there are spoilers ahead. So Jasmine, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, the heat wave has broken slightly here. Already, it's been, it was actually cold the last couple of days. Um, so I'm doing good. Uh, there's not much new here, um, but but I'm good. Nothing big. Oh, I guess this is kind of cool. Um, so my grandmother, um, they're moving her from her house to like an assisted living apartment and they just finished doing that and it went really well. So that was good. Oh, great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good news. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you? Well, I'm, I'm very happy today because I was back at the theater after long months. You know, finally theaters here in Italy reopened and, and I went to see um, a show and I was very excited to be back because there is nothing like live theater. So I'm very, very, very excited. Yeah. But before, I think we're going to start off with a 30 second, a second recap as usual. So here we go. And three, two, one, go. This week on Grace Anatomy, Meredith begins her recovery at home with her kids and Bailey offers her a new position at the hospital. Meanwhile, Levi gets accepted into a, vac- uh, into a COVID-19 vaccine trial, while Amelia treats a car crash patient with brain damage. Hayes and Joe meet Luna's legal guardian, Maggie and Winston argue about their wedding plans, and Hell moves in with Levi and Joe. There was a lot, a lot <laughs> happened in this episode. <laughs> yeah, that is why I didn't like this episode, because it... I mean, hearing you talking about what happened, I, I, I was like, oh, a lot happened. But watching the episode, I had the impression that actually nothing interesting was happening. This episode, I, I, first of all, I wanted to say something. I mean, you had told me this a few weeks ago when the episode titles came out, mm-hmm. that since this episode is titled, this episode and next week's episode, the season finale are titled after an Elton John songs. You told me, I think this episode are connected. And for sure they are, because as we know, the next week's episode is going to have a time jump. And here we have a t- time jumps as well. Mm-hmm. And also both episodes are written by uh, Meg Marinis and Andy Reeser. As you know, Meredith is my favorite character. I really love her. And while she had a COVID, I, I-, I accepted the fact that we were not going to see her a lot. But now that she's out, I just needed to see her more. Okay, so she's at home. She's recovering. She's with Alice. And we have all these scenes with very interesting scenes with Bailey. But I just needed more screen time from her. Yeah, I get that. I was I was kind of expecting, you know, for other people to come and visit her during that time. So I, I get what you're saying. I'm hoping that, I mean, it looks like, you know, next week she's going to be back at work. And so we're going to see her, you know, back with the majority of the screen time and that kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Oh, okay, okay. I'm happy to know that I'm not the only one. I just, I, I just want to see her all the time. Also, because I think that what's happening right now in the show with other characters is not that interesting. But I'm going to talk about it later. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I, I'm well. Something big happened because Benny asked Meredith to become the chief of the residency, the residency program. This is really coming full circle. I, I thought she's going to make the Richard speech, the famous Richard speech, maybe next episode, who knows, or next yeah. season. 
And I think that's pretty exciting because it shows us how much Meredith has grown. And also what I liked is that as Bailey told Meredith, she's going to be able to form the new class of students. And in a way, she's going to shape that little world, which she's going to, to do good for other people, for, for, for future patients. So I think that's pretty exciting. And I'm really curious to see what Meredith does in this uh, position. Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, I think that's a really good fit for her. I think she's going to shine in this role, similar to how when Richard was made chief of chiefs, I think he shined in that role. Um, and I think, you know, Bailey, Richard, and Meredith working together is going to be great because they have such a mutual respect for each other. And all that Bailey and Richard want is to see Meredith succeed. And likewise, um, and I, I was, when I was watching this, I was thinking about how this was a few years back, but at one point I thought, you know, like when, uh, when Alex was made interim chief, I remember saying to someone, you know, um, I think it was Amy, um, saying that, you know, I, I could see a future or like an end storyline where, you know, Meredith and, and Alex would run the hospital, you know, with him as chief and her as director of residency or something like that. It would, I would have loved it. Now that you're saying it, I would have loved it if Alex was still chief and Meredith, chief of, Res- of the residency program. Uh, yeah. That would have been much fun. Yeah, I would have liked that. And, you know, clearly that's not possible because of Justin Chambers' exit. But, uh, yeah, I think she's going to shine in this role. And I saw people speculating online, you know, when some information was coming out about what this role was going to be. And some people were like, mm, I don't know if I'd love her as chief or as this or as that or board chairman maybe. Um, but I think director of residency is... Um, a good fit for her because you know she's seen Richard do it for years and she like Bailey said she can shape the next class and since her being committed to uh, trying to make medicine fairer for everybody in the U.S. has been such a prominent storyline for the last couple of seasons and it's something that I know Ellen uh, Pompeo as, as an actor is very passionate about you know making things fairer. I, I'm really excited to see those two things come together because we kind of stepped away from that storyline while Meredith was sick and I really like that that from last season. Yeah, and also I wanted to say that, as you were saying, this is the perfect role. Uh, because, you know, when people speculated that she could have become the next chief replacing Bailey, I was not very happy about that. Mm-hmm. Because that felt out of character. Not because of replacing Bailey, but because that felt out of character. Because I remember that when Derek was chief, Meredith was like, oh, this is just business and paper, paperwork and administration. Yeah. And I think Meredith is a surgeon, is, is a you know she's an innovative person so I, I I thought that would have been out of character but this position is yeah completely right for her yeah and I, I I like that you know she can teach and you know be involved still but you know she like she says to Bailey in this episode that you know she can't she can't operate if she can't stand on her feet for long periods of time that's one of the requirements of the job um and Meredith would never walk into a surgery if she couldn't give that patient her absolute best. Yeah. Um, so having her still be able to teach and help and do her thing while she's recovering to a point where she can operate again in the future, um, I think is a really good uh, is a really good fit because she can kind of ease back into operating slowly. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Let Let's see what happens, and let's hope that next week we're gonna have. More Meredith. I mean, I think so, since it's the finale. And and before we move on to something else, one thing I did want to say about this episode, one thing I really liked was that we, you know, we moved through time. So this episode spans six weeks. Uh, the previous episode we know took place at the end of June um, because there's um, 
that was running on one of the incubators um, that someone picked up on. And so uh, the last episode takes place mid at the end of June, and then this one moved six weeks to the point that we're now uh, in mid-August. Um, and so I like that they moved it forward. And like you said earlier, um, it looks like next week is also going to move through time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Another big storyline of this episode mm -hmm. was a Megan Winston storyline. Yeah. So basically they're trying to figure out the perfect date to, to get married. And since the world is closed right now, I mean, for them, mm -hmm. for us, my God, it's reopening little by little. So basically they're trying to figure out how to get married. And, and Maggie says at one point uh, to, to Winston, she's, she tells him that maybe they could wait until the world reopens. And Winston reacts in a very strange way, at least for me. Since Maggie, at the end of the episode, gives Winston that speech telling him that maybe what she felt was the, the, the need to have her mother during the day. But for me, me what, what Maggie was saying was quite reasonable. Mm -hmm. Just let's wait a little bit. I mean, the fact that Winston reacted in that childish way, in that passive aggressive way, I mean, I really hated it. I, I think it was too pushy and I really hate when people are pushy. It didn't, it didn't. Like, I get what you're saying. Um, but one thing I really did like about this episode is that up till now, while well, I love Maggie and Winston, they've come across as the perfect couple, you know, never any disagreements, never any issues. I mean, there was that one thing with his dad, but I mean, his dad was clearly being an ass. So, I mean, I think Maggie got where he was coming from there. Like he shouldn't have left the Zoom call, but that guy was completely out of line and he did apologize. One thing I did like is we actually see them disagree and work through it in this episode. And so that felt realistic to me and that like up till now, it's like they've been the perfect couple. So I like that. Uh, I do agree that I think Winston overreacted in that, you know, Maggie was upset and she said she didn't want everything to feel like a compromise. I didn't think that that was that big of a deal for her to say. It's common when you're planning a wedding. I used to work weddings for a long time. So I don't think that's uncommon. Like you said, Winston was a bit pouty and kind of a little bit passive. What do you mean? What do you mean? Sorry to interrupt you, but what do you mean when you worked at weddings? Oh, so I used, I was in catering during high school. Okay. And yeah. So we, and our company, you know, we'd get there. Sometimes we just did the catering, but a lot of times we would do, also this is a big scam. For anybody planning a wedding, just an FYI here. I know, I know some of this has changed with COVID, but We'd get there and the cupcake person would show up and drop their crap on a random table. The decor people would drop their crap on a random table and they'd be like, okay, bye-bye. And we'd set everything up, the decor, the cake, the cake yeah. cutting, serve everybody, everyone. And then the bride and group are thanking the stupid cupcake person and blah, like screw them. Like they did absolutely nothing. We did everything. Did we get any thanks? No. So just a PSA to people who was planning a wedding. Um, thank your catering staff um, <laughs> and Absolutely be present. Thanks your catering staff, of course. <laughs> um, you know, thank your catering staff. And, you know, when that stuff's being set up, make sure you're on site because a lot of times who you think is doing all of the work and the person you're being super nice to drop something off and pieces out within 10 minutes. Meanwhile, the people you're ignoring are doing all the work. Anyway, I worked weddings for years. So it, it's not uncommon you know, for people to be like, I don't want to compromise on this or, you know, to be upset about this or, you know, if a loved one can't be there in this case, um, if they've suffered a loss. I mean, it's not, you know, you see all kinds of bridezilla stuff. I mean, not that that's what this was, but, you know, it's not uncommon for people to 
get upset or tense or not want to compromise on certain things. Um, I did really like the end scene where they were talking about it and about her mom. And then the, the guy opened the door and her dad and his grandmother stepped out of the car. I, I really liked that scene. Um, I thought it was very sweet. Yeah, it was romantic and it was a big gesture for Maggie. Should we talk about uh, the other, uh, I guess one of the other storylines this week, uh, we have Amelia and Link, him realizing he wants more kids, Amelia realizing she doesn't. And the the patient storyline that um, that they had. Yes, I think that was one of the highlights of the episode. I think it was. Um, I think that case is actually going to continue in the season finale because it felt unfinished. The mm-hmm. the 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 girl still hasn't woken up, so I think it's going to continue next se- uh, next week. And I'm really excited because, you know when we see that scene of Amelia finding out that the girl can actually hear her and she can hear the music and the fact that she can reply, the fact that she can talk with her father, I thought it was very beautiful, poignant, emotional. And also I think it was a beautiful moment because it was about medicine. And I'm always fascinated by how uh, the brain works so I really like neurological cases on the show. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was very excited and was very happy. And I have to say that one thing that made me happy about this episode was actually the, the patient storyline, this storyline, and also the other, uh, the heart patient storyline. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to leave the hospital because she felt lonely, because I felt they were different from what they had done before. And because I felt the patients were forefront this, forefront this time. So mm-hmm. they, they were exciting storylines for me. Speaking of the Amelia Link storyline, I have to say that I'm really worried about where they're going. Haven't we seen this before with Amelia? Why can she communicate with Link? Because one thing that I know is that Amelia Link, like Megan Winston, not in this episode, but usually, they are perfect for each other. And I think that one thing that is making, at least for me, the show a little bit boring right now, it's that these couple are too perfect for each other. So I cannot feel that dramatic tension, that chemistry, that off the charts chemistry. Yeah, I hope she does talk to Link. I really like the patient storyline as well, like both of them. I specifically, so the the patient that Amelia had where, you know, with the music, um, I actually read a study on that very thing a few years ago. Um, so when that started happening, when her brain started lighting up with the music and they were able to ask her questions, I knew I knew exactly where that was going because I've actually read a study on like the real life cases of this. And for those of you who may not know. So in the last few years, uh, doctors and scientists have figured out that there's actually two different types of brain dead patients or brain damaged patients. So there's the kind that we traditionally think of, which is people who their body is still alive, but there's nobody home. There's no one in there. And then there's a type you see in this episode where it looks like they're gone because they're not waking up, but they're conscious in there, um, but they can't communicate in traditional ways. But if they think of things, you ask them yes or no questions, they can respond. And there's a special kind of uh, machine that does the scans in order to catch this. Uh, and you see that in this episode, it's a different scan room and a different, um, a different machine. And that they're very expensive, but um, they found that hospitals pay them back uh, within a year because running these scans allows them to determine which patients are actually brain dead and which ones aren't. And the ones that aren't, they can ask them questions like, do you want to live like this? And determine their care. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's a real thing. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, something they're looking at right now um, with insurance companies and stuff is that, you know, uh, putting stuff in people's wills 
Um, and putting in clauses, like when you go into surgery, I mean, if it's on your brain, you know, if something happens to you, do you want us to unplug you? And also like, do you want us to, like, are you okay with us asking you yes or no questions? What would you like your family to do? Um, because some people, like for me personally, if that happened to me, I would not want to live if I couldn't communicate in the normal way. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, I mean, not, there's many ways to communicate, but I mean, like be frozen like that. Whereas there are other people out there who uh, who who do want that. So that's one of those ethical uh, dilemmas. Um, so yeah, I knew where it was going because of that, but I, I still really enjoyed the case. Um, I thought it was super interesting. Uh, I loved the, the dad, like when Amelia kept talking to the dad, um, and their their interactions. And I also really loved the the patient that was lonely. And right away, like I, I picked on the fact I was like, oh, she's pretending because they talked about like how her husband had died and the dog ran away. And then, you know, she's not good with people. And I was like, oh, my God, the dog. I was so worried about this dog for the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then they found the dog. And I was like, thank God they found the dog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even a dog person, but like, oh my God, the dog. I have to say that I was a little bit disturbed by the way the dog licked their face. I mean, I'm not, I, I like dogs, but I would never want it. I would never. That's I really common though for people who love dogs. I know. That's so strange to me. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Um, especially because they showed it was like a golden retriever, I think. And those are really good companion dogs. Yeah. Um. So I was... Yeah, uh, so that made me really happy. And I was glad they were able to help her and that Helm was there for her. And one thing I really want to say is something I liked about this episode is that Helm seems to have finally let go of her Meredith obsession and we're learning new things about her. Like she finally. likes to cook. Yeah. <laughs> finally, yeah. She likes to cook. She makes a mess when she cooks. She likes to watch the news. And um, I'm glad they're finally giving her more of a personality. I like the dynamic between her Joe and and Levi. Although I mean, J Levi really should have cleared that with Joe first. But I would be so pissed off at Levi <laughs> if I were Joe. That, I mean, that is so rude to bring so to bring someone else when you're a guest. Yeah. And before we get into that, I just wanted to comment on what you're saying about Amelia. Um, yeah, I hope she talks to Link the next episode. I kind of saw this episode as Amelia realizing this and then like taking a minute like to herself to think about it. So I agree with you. I hope that she talks only next episode and they have a heart to heart um, because you're right. We've seen this storyline a couple of times now. And, uh, you know, well, I think they addressed some important stuff about that the first time I did it with like Owen and Christina, when I did it a second time with Owen and Amelia, I was like, oh, for the love of God. And I'm like, do not go back to this. I mean, for the love of God, we've been here already. Um, yes, so please, writers don't. Yes, I know. So uh, speaking of Joe and Levi and Helm and their roommate situation, uh, do you want to talk about uh, Joe and Luna's storyline uh, in this episode? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think that I, I was sorry that Joe didn't get to adopt Luna. I mean, I think that we have some more surprises in store. Mm -hmm. uh, the actress who plays Joe, Camilla Ladington, said in an interview that Joe is gonna have is gonna make not one but two important choices in the finale. And I had I had really I really have no idea what they're going to be about. I have no clue. I think that at the end she will get to adopt Luna somehow. But I don't know how that's going to happen. Maybe Ace will help. Who knows? 
Yeah. But but I I thought see I I thought that could have been a powerful storyline for Joe, but it wasn't. And mm. I I really don't get why we got for the entirety of the the episode we have Joe speaking to Ace always in the same place, and then just one scene we link, and then we know that she applied, and then we discover in another brief scene that she didn't get the um, she didn't get the okay to adopt Luna. But that didn't feel like a powerful and, and heartbreaking moment because we didn't see her apply. I think we could have spent more time with her mm -hmm. uh, to have her more, uh, more emotional scenes. What about you? Did you like her storyline? Yeah, I actually did. I mean, I usually don't have much good things to say about um, Joe's storyline. Um, as longtime listeners will know, this season I have not loved her storyline. Oh, but I did like her... I was drawing this episode. Um, I liked her scenes with Link. I liked him calling her on the fact that, you know, she was obviously going to try and adopt Luna and to stop pretending otherwise. Um, I thought the scene where, you know, uh, Luna almost died and she was saying, I'm her mother, I'm her mother. I thought that was really emotional. Yeah. And I, I, was, I was disappointed that she was denied. I mean, I agree with you. I think she is going to find a way to adopt Luna because they've spent so much time setting that up. Do you have any idea on, on what about, I mean, since Camilla Ludington said that she's going to make two big, shocking choices, I mean, two, do you have an idea what those choices could be? Yeah, no, I mean, one of them to me is obviously due with Luna and her adoption, but it's like another choice. I don't know what that could be because at this point she switched specialties. She decided to stay, you know, in Seattle when Alex left. Like, I don't know what that other choice could possibly be i mean what if she doesn't get what she she doesn't get luna because of her background and she decides to get pregnant by herself i mean to oh um, to do like artificial insemination uh yeah, like that yeah that, be, that could be that i mean although i feel like that would be part of one decision but maybe not yeah yeah but then um, what about the second one yeah that's my thing i don't know what that second one could be because i haven't really done any setup and anytime there's a scene where I'm like oh I think we, they might be doing this the other character who, she, who she's in a scene with is like nope I'm out of here um yeah I don't, I don't know what that could be um but I I did want to say this which is that I was surprised that she was denied and she tells Hayes that um it was because she got a background check and I hope they delve into that more because the first my original reaction to that was well that's illegal because here it is like they don't say why she feels the background check um but, you know, Amy and I were trying to figure out what the possible reasons could be, you know, single parents, a demanding job, um, you know, mental health issues, the fact that she lived under assumed name. I think she says that she stole one of the cars she lived in at one point. Um, and like, I, but I was confused when we first watched it because I'm like, well, like here where I live in Ontario and I know in other places in Canada, I mean, a lot of the policies and laws have changed starting in the 2000s. So they can't discriminate against you in an adoption application here because of that. And sometimes, uh, not sometimes, they actually try um, to match children with a parent, a prospective parent um, that actually shares some of their experience um, or has, a, and like in this case, because she was friends with Val and other people at the hospital could speak to that here, they could do um, like a friends and family adoption, which cuts through a lot of the red tape, which they will do sometimes, even if that wasn't the case just to place a child in a good home. So that like, that was my first reaction. But then I realized when Amy and I were talking about it, that I was applying my own context to something else. And this is Washington state in the U S 
I don't know their adoption laws. So it's possible that that's still legal to discriminate there or it's something else in her background that we haven't heard about yet or I might not have thought of. So I hope they delve into that because that was my first reaction. I'm like, hold up. I think I, I think it was she had her mental health problems are very recent. Mm-hmm. They happened like at the beginning of season end of season 15 at the beginning of season 16. Yeah. So they're very recent and I get why there could be a hold up. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm very curious to where the, I mean, Joy is not my favorite character, but I'm curious to see where, where, where she will go from here. Mm-hmm. Speaking of other storylines, characters, of other character storylines that I'm really curious about is the one about Levi. And this is the last reason why I'm so pissed off at this show this week. <laughs> and I, I tell you why. So basically, I think that Levi and Nico are a horrible couple because Nico is a horrible boyfriend and he's a horrible person and he's a toxic, toxic person. And finally, here we had Levi with a character, Dr. Mason Pauls, and they had chemistry and it was great. He was perfect for Levi. And I really wanted that, that for Levi to, to actually have sex with him at the end of the day, you know? Me too. I was so rooting for them. Me too, because they had like that instant chemistry. This is why another reason why I'm so pissed off. I mean, why can't writers realize when couples have chemistry? Nico and Levi do not have chemistry. Levi, played by Jake Borelli, he's a great character. Jake Borelli is a great actor. I think he deserves more. And I think he was about to get more. I really hope that Dr. Mason Post comes back next season, that he's Levi's endgame. Yeah, I, I too was super rooting for him. And I was like, right off the bat, he's kind, he's funny, he's witty, he's direct. He says what he wants. He's everything that Levi deserves in a partner after what Nico has put him through. And I, when he knocked on the door at the end, I thought he was going to be at, at, at Mason's house or apartment. And then it was Nico. And I was like, oh, for the love of God, like he's treated Levi. I liked Levi and Nico in the beginning. But then after it came out that Nico had lied about being out to his parents, that relationship went downhill really fast. And he has treated Levi terribly for the past couple of seasons. And like Levi deserves something good. And I think he deserves to be with Mason. And I hope that that they get to be together next season because like you, I I think Levi deserves better. And also Nico, I mean, I don't believe his change. When did no. it happen? And how did it happen? It was like overnight. So the, the fact is, I really don't get it, the writing. Why do they think that we're rooting for this couple? Why do they think that? There is no reason to root for them. There is no, nothing that indicates that Nico has changed. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, like he apologized, but he hasn't actually changed. So that's not enough. You have to show that you're changed. Words are not enough. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Do we want to talk about next week's promo? Because I'm super excited about it. I am super excited about it too. That was a great promo. And mm-hmm. finally, finally, we are going to get a Meredith and Ace scene. Yeah. And those eyes that Meredith makes at Ace. I mean, why did it deprive us of Meredith and Ace so much this season? I, I mean, the only thing that I'm excited about, 
I'm serious right now for next season is this couple because guys, this couple could really be great. And if the writers ruin it, I'm going to be so pissed off. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited too. Um, that look she gives him, the kind of the, the head down nod when he's talking to her and uh, their banter. I just, I'm, I'm super, super excited. Um, that was one of my only complaints about this episode was, I guess there were two. One, that Levi picked Nico. I mean, why? And two, that there wasn't any Meredith and Hayes. Um, but it looks like we're getting that next next week. Um, I'm super excited. Oh, I guess we should have done a spoiler warning. Oh, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Spoiler uh, warning for, for next week's episode. Uh, so I'm I'm excited about that. Um, the other thing too from the promo is that um, we see you know, Maggie, part of Maggie was his wedding and her dad, his grandmother stand up and say they object. And I was like, holy, holy cannoli, like, these people came all the way here just to object to the wedding. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's going to be something comedic or something like that. Yeah, like a dream sequence or something. Yeah, I, I my kind of take was either, like, I like your idea that, like, it could be comedic. Uh, I also saw somebody on Tumblr being like, oh, what if it's, like, a dream sequence, like a nightmare sequence of one of the, like, Maggie or Winston are having? Oh, right. That could be, right. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, because, like, that wedding's at the house, but, like you're saying, there appears there appear to be beach scenes. So I'm wondering if, you know, that's a, a dream one of them has and then they decide to have the, the actual wedding at the beach um, or, or something like that. Um, I just, there has to be more to it. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that to see what's happening there and to see, I mean, uh, what's happening with Amelia and Link. Um, to see Meredith in her new role at the hospital um to see what's going on with Richard and Bailey let's see let's see I'm very curious I'm very very excited about this season finale mm-hmm. yeah me too so it's one of our favorite moments your favorite quote or scene from this episode Jasmine uh my favorite uh quote was um at the beginning of the episode where Amelia was explaining to Owen um that Tom had left to help Jackson make the changes he was trying to make in Boston and at first Owen thought that um Tom had been fired and then Amelia explained the situation and Owen said I can't believe that there's you know I'm I'm so mad that I there's one more thing I have to like and respect about that guy yeah right uh I thought that was really funny that cracked me up and as long time listeners know I'm not an Owen fan but he's had some really good one-liners in the last few seasons um (laughs) So uh, that that really cracked me up. He's he's not my favorite character, but he definitely has some of my favorite one-liners. What about you? I don't have a favorite quote or line from this episode. We'll see. I maybe next week I'm gonna have two favorite quotes, not just one. <laughs> just make it up for this time. All right, everyone. Uh, that's our show. Um, if you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review our show, and tell your friends. Our theme song is inspired by Kevin McCloyd. You can find us on Twitter at DanceOutPod and on Instagram at DanceOutGraysAnatomy. Until next time, I'm Jasmine. And I'm Giuseppe. And this is Dance It Out. A Grey's Anatomy podcast.